0: wanted to talk to you this morning, uh, continuing where we have been going over the last couple of months. And, uh, you know, when we started out, we talked about how that we wanted to really focus on helping build the right kind of relationship with the Lord through the Word of God. <clears throat> we went through a number of different studies in the book of Nehemiah, showing you, first of all, the biblical way to build a church, talking about the nine gates that are found in that book the book of Nehemiah being a picture of rebuilding of Jerusalem, the walls, the city without defense. We went through all of that and showed you how that there were nine gates in that city. Each one of those gates match up to something that the local church needs to have today as far as ministry is concerned. Then we began to focus and define some things for you. And there's a number of things that we have to get down on the baseline of understanding before we really, you know, begin to uh, put all of it together. My goal is to bring you through all of these concepts. Today we're going to look at a little bit more of how to pull it together. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ and I laid out every aspect of that, showed you how it was the most important doctrine in the Bible for the child of God. We even went so far as to look at the, the questions that God's going to ask at the judgment seat of Christ found in the book of Job. We laid out last week uh, probably the greatest one thing you have to get in your life as a child of God, and that is balance. Understanding how to balance everything in your life. We focus particularly on the Word of God, showing you that if you're going to learn the Bible, and if you're going to ever build a relationship with God to the point where you really have what I call a working relationship with the Word of God. In other words, the Bible doing in your life what God intended for it to do, you're going to have to understand balance when it comes to the Word of God. We talked about the three applications of Scripture, how that the Bible has a historical application, a doctrinal application, an inspirational application. We focused on what it takes to know the Bible, and we showed you the difference about just knowing a lot of things about the Bible, which many Christians do. You can find all, a lot of Christians today who know a lot of things about the Bible. You don't find very many of God's people today who know the Bible, and there is a big difference. So we have been talking about a biblical format for understanding the Word of God. I don't know why people are so confused when it comes of a biblical way to understand the Bible. I mean, God gives us a pattern for everything in our lives. Certainly, He gave us a pattern for studying the Word of God. And that's the pattern that we want to really understand understand and define, and then help you apply it into your life. Building God's people and building their lives into the Word of God, the only way that you're ever going to really have a, a relationship with the Lord the way God wants you to have it. And last week, we, we began to show you how to break it down. Now today, we're going to move into the next level, and I'm going to show you what to do with it once you break it down or how you look at learning the Bible. Now Isaiah chapter 28, uh, come back here and look at verse 9. It says this, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. We ask you to... Uh, bless us today. We thank you for the ones that uh, braved the elements today to be here. We thank you, Father, for uh, our time. In the Word of God, we pray that you'll bless us. We pray, Father, that not only uh, will you protect the people, Lord, that uh, are, are ill and sick today and comfort them, but Lord, we pray also that as these people go home today, that you'll watch over them and bless them. We thank you for all that you do for us. Holy Spirit of God, show us and lead us into all truth today. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. For his sake we ask it. Amen. Now, when you come to the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, here again, let me give you a little information here. Now, historically, this is dealing with the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is in apostasy. The nation of Israel uh, has departed from the Word of God. They're not doing what's right with the Word of God, and they're suffering the judgment of by the other nations uh, coming in and persecuting them and God getting ready to send them into captivity. How many times have I showed you through our Thursday night Bible studies or our one-on-one time in the Word of God or even teaching on Sunday morning how that the parallels between the nation of Israel and the church how that God had a plan for the nation of Israel. God has a plan for the church. They're not the same plan, they deal with two kingdoms. One of them deals with the the nation of Israel, deals with the kingdom of heaven. The plan for the church deals with the kingdom of God. Two different plans, but they're both based on the word of God and their success is based on what both people groups do with the Bible. And in both cases, the nation of Israel departs from the word of God and they go into apostasy. The church departs from the Word of God, they enter into an apostasy, hence what we commonly call the Laodicean church. So when we're reading the book of Isaiah, even though it's talking about the nation of Israel in a historical sense, and how God wanted to teach them, let me tell you, God uses the same principles today to teach us the Word of God as He has all down through history. And the first thing I want you to understand is He starts out by asking two questions. Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? You know, I don't know what you've how you observe life. I, I don't know how much in tune you are with the things that are around you. Most of God's people uh, go through life with their head in a fog. I know that most of you are sharper than that. And, you know, we've been together for a lot of years. And, uh, uh, and even the newer ones that have come in. And God's given us a host of, of new people here in the last couple of months. We, we thank God for that. But even though them are really wanting to learn the Bible and plug into the Word of God. But I don't, have you ever just stopped and observed the things of life? Have you, ever, have you ever just looked at people and just get a, to get a good perspective of really what's going on in life? I like to listen to what people talk about. If I'm in a crowd someplace, whether it's saved people or unsaved people, if I'm around and there's a conversation going on, I may say very little unless God gives me an opportunity. But what I will do very greatly is listen. I think it's important to listen to what people say, hear what they talk about. I think it's important to, to see what they love and what they talk about loving. I think it's important to watch around the world and people what they do. You know, when it comes to Christians, I like to watch what makes Christians upset. I think that it's interesting. And all those things about the way we are and the things that we do and the things that we talk about, the things that make us happy, the things that make us sad, I think it makes a statement about where we're at with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, I've answered a lot of questions over the years of why some of God's people really never do much for the Lord. I mean you stop and take. You take the average child of God in the average church. They're, if they're, if they're saved, they're all saved. There isn't one that got more of the Holy Spirit of God than the other. One salvation isn't more real than the other. They're all part of the body of Christ. They're all part of the family of God. They're all saved. They're all in Christ. They're all washed in the blood. They all have the sp- same Spirit of God. They all have the same Bible. Why is it that there are some people who learn the Bible, plug into the Bible, build a relationship with God and the Word of God, and some people never do. And I'm going to tell you, in the ministry, you're going to find people like that all the time. I used to wonder about it. I used to scratch my head and look and think, why did this guy get it and this person did not? Why is this family plugged into the Word of God and doing what's right? Why is this one not? I used to look, I understand now. God gave me the answer many, many years ago, and I, I, I see it and I understand it, and the answer's found right here in this passage, and it's very key that you understand that growing in the word and building a relationship with God, you're going to have to do some things. Because verse nine says very clearly that not everybody is going to get it. And He asked the question, "Whom shall he teach? Whom how shall he make to understand doctrine? And the passage shows the Biblical way to learn the Word of God and get understanding in doctrine. Now learning the Bible and building a relationship with God, and you can't do one without the other. You wouldn't even know there was a God if there wasn't a Bible. The Bible is God's revelation to man, that God reveals what He's doing and reveals about Himself. We would not even know there was a God or there was anything about God if God hadn't given us the Word of God. Yes, I know the heavens declare the glory of God. Yes, I know that you see God in creation. I understand. But the Bible says, How shall they hear unless they have a preacher? You have to have the Word of God. And when God gave the Bible to man... God didn't give a book that tells, uh, you know, a man uh, how to live his life, though it does. That's not the intent. God gave us a book that reveals God's perspective on everything in life. And my job as a Christian is to make God's perspective my perspective. And we can start in the beginning of my your life and my life, and we can look at every subject that you want to deal with. And God has something to say about it. We talked about that as part of the balance. But learning the Bible and learning a relationship with God is based on two things. The first thing it's based on is precepts, precepts. The second thing that it's based on is doctrine. Now, precepts are basic Bible principles. They're rules of action, like the Ten Commandments is a set of precepts. They're principles. Uh, uh, The law of sowing and reaping, that's a precept. It's a law of action. So precepts in the Bible are basic Bible principles. Now, doctrine in the Bible is something else. Doctrine, on the other hand, are exact, infallible teachings of truth that affect the outcome of life on planet Earth. They're not just basic principles, they're di- direct truth. In fact, the number a number of precepts, when you put precepts together, they come and form together uh, a, a form of teaching called doctrine. And when you learn the Bible, you, you, you learn precepts, principles, and then you build upon that and they build into doctrine as you learn them. And when you talk about a doctrine, you talk about the doctrine of the crucifixion or the doctrine of the deity of Christ, the doctrine of the resurrection, the doctrine of the depravity of man. They're not just basic principles. They're not just a bites of truth that you build into. No, no. They are absolute, infallible teachings about life on planet Earth, and how it directly affects God and the Word of God. Doctrine is the backbone of the Bible. There isn't any question about it. Doctrine is the backbone of the Bible. You know what? That was the real issue when Christ came the first time. The first time He, cri- he shows up at the first coming of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the real issue the scribes and the Pharisees had with Him was His doctrine. They didn't like what he taught. Why? Because his teaching went against the teaching of the day. The scribes and Pharisees had it good. They had everything they could want. They had their own little kingdoms. They had an alliance with the Roman Empire. You don't bother me, I won't bother you. You allow me to do this, I'll do this. I'll keep the people in line if you allow me to have my position of power. It was a very neat little organization that they had. When Jesus showed up, he shattered that, full philosophy. When he showed up, he showed up to bring in a king and a kingdom. When he showed up, he brought, he brought in a, a, a reign of righteousness and a reign of peace. The Roman Empire as the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of, 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 of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. They didn't want that. And the thing that bothered them was his doctrine. I mean, it's an incredible to go through. The common man always gets the doctrine. The religious leaders never get it. The, the common ordinary man, the Bible says, was astonished at his doctrine. The other crowd was intimidated by it. The common ordinary man loved his doctrine. The other met group hated his doctrine. And when you, you, when you, when you understand how important doctrine is, then you realize that you have to get it down if you're ever going to understand the Bible. There are certain teachings in the Bible that you must get down. Now, you know, when you look at the Bible, it looks pretty intimidating. 31,171 verses. 1,189 chapters. Believe me, I've been through it a couple of times. I know they're there. And it, it looks intimidating. And you got so many different things. And sometimes, you know, when you come to Sunday morning or you come to Thursday night Bible study and somebody asks a question and and one little question that maybe you looked at and you never really thought about but you thought, well, that won't take long. We can take three or four hours and talk about it. and, And you walk away saying, wow, how will I ever learn the Bible like that? Well, you need to. And if you follow the biblical format, you will. Learning the Bible is not hard. Learning the Bible is no harder than learning to talk or learning to write. I remember years ago uh, when I was just a kid in grade school that uh, uh, when I went to class, across that classroom, along the top of the wall, in every classroom and every school I was in, all the way up to high school, there was the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, all the way around that room there was the alphabet. And I always wondered then why they put it so high. Now I understand. Because as a little kid, we're always looking up and looking around. They put it where we could see it. And then when I got probably first or second grade, we began to write those words. And they began to show us uppercase and lowercase. And we began to, oh, I still, somewhere in all of our minutiae at home, I'm sure I still got some second and third grade papers where I put my A's, B's, C's. You know how they did it? You had to, you had a little bracket that you put the big one, and they had to make the little loops right, and then you made all the other ones, and you did that for, it seemed like for months. In my case, till the sixth grade, anyhow. And you did it over and over and over. And then one day, the teacher came up, And they said, hey, you know those letters we've been learning? They form words. And know what we do? We made up little bitty sentences. We made up the word cat. We made up the word dog. We gave our name Dog Spot. We called our cat whatever. And we we did all these things through there. And then we put them... And then she showed us an amazing thing. Take the alphabet, make words, and then make sentences out of the words spot saw the cat the cat saw spot they all went after the farmer's wife she came to their tail with a carving and that's the way it went the better you got and the longer you got and the more you learned pretty soon you were doing paragraphs and in those paragraphs you were conveying ideas you were taking basic little abcs forming them into words, putting them into sentences, putting them into paragraphs, and through that, you can communicate anything you want. Same thing. The ABCs are the precepts and the principles. When you learn the precepts and the principles, you build them into words. When you build them into words, you build them into sentences. When you put them into sentences, you get enough of them together, you form a doctrine, and through the basic fundamental principles of the Word of God, the ABCs of the Bible, you can teach Anything you want to teach from the Bible through those biblical precepts and doctrines. Precepts form doctrines. And Now, Bible doctrine, when you form them from precepts, you learn the Bible truth in the form of Bible doctrine. Now, verse 9 says, who or whom. Now, here's who. Them that are weaned from the milk, drawn from the breast. Very important. Take your Bibles, keep your finger here, take your Bibles and turn back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. I want to show you a great verse, and there's two incredible things we need to see from this. Two great principles. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It simply says this, and as now, uh, as newborn babes, the desire, the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Simple verse. You know what? Every preacher just about I've ever heard quote that verse or preach on it, I've heard him quote it wrong or preach it wrong. It's always preached, it's always said like this as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Simply saying that newborn babes desire the milk of the word that they might grow. That's not what it says. Look at the comma. The comma is there as newborn babes, comma. Study the English language as newborn babes, comma. It's not saying newborn babes desire the milk of the word, it's saying, You and I as a child of God should desire the milk of the Word just like a baby can't live without it. A baby has a desire for milk. Isn't it a baby desires milk? It is he desires milk. And you and I as a child of God should desire the Word of God. And he says, the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. All right? Milk of the Word. Precepts. Principles. Sometimes we call it discipleship. Sometimes we call it just sitting down and teaching in the basic Bible. Sometimes it's just just going through learning those principles and those precepts. Getting young Christians in the Word of God, explaining uh, the Word of God, breaking it down. That's how you start, uh, but you don't stop there. That's where most Christians stop. That's where most churches stop. That's where most preachers stop. They don't ever want to take the people to a higher level where they invest their time teaching them the Word of God on a level. Let me tell you what your goal ought to be in life. Let me tell you what your goal ought to be in life. I don't care where you're at in your spiritual relationship with God right now. I could care less. This needs to be your number one goal outside of walking with God and all those good things. When it comes to the Word of God, your number one goal in learning that Bible should be simply this. You ought to be so in touch and in tune with that Bible that you could teach any book of the Bible with 20 seconds notice or less. You ought to be able to go someplace where they say, well, we're going to have you preach at our church and you get to go and you sit down there and they tell you a week before, you know, we're going to have a a prophecy conference and boy, could you teach us some things out of the book of Revelation. Oh, you're all ready to go. Well, you get there that night and they call you up. They're saying the last song. You're going to get up to preach. You've got Revelation chapter 19 and 20 all laid out and you're ready to go. And just about that time, the preacher leans over and says, oh, by the way, did I tell you we're not having a prophecy conference. We're talking about a relationship with God this week. And you've been assigned the book of Psalms. Now what are you going to do? You ought to, I'll tell you what. If that same scenario happened at work. And you're on your computer. And you're doing this. Or you're on this. Or you're running this machine. Or you're doing this. Whatever you do for a life. And the boss came up and said... We're pulling you off this machine and putting you on here. Pull that program out and run this one. Take this out and put this in. You know what? You wouldn't even flinch at that. It may call you a little more work. You may have to take a little more time. But you know exactly how to restructure what you're doing in your job. It always amazed me that God's people knew more about their job than it does the Bible that saved them. Your goal ought to be that when that guy leans over and says that, you just say, No problem. Turn over to the book of Psalms and say, Oh man, well, I got some stuff here. And let her rip. Learning the Bible. Investing your life in learning the Bible. Most of God's people, they get the milk. They get the milk. But he says back in the book of Isaiah that, Whom shall I teach? Whom shall I make to understand doctrine? You got to get off the milk. You get saved, come to this church, or you're just a young Christian? Hey man, I'll feed you with milk, but I won't let you stay there. Our whole ministry is designed to bring you through a process that you don't stay with the milk. Now this was the problem that the writer talked about in the book of Hebrews. You don't have to turn back to it. But in Hebrews chapter 5, there was a problem. And the writer of Hebrews said, For when the time you ought to be teachers... Ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become as, one, as such as have need of milk and not strong meat. That's doctrine. He says there, he says, you people ought to be teaching the Word of God. You people ought to know more about the Bible, but what we have to do is again begin to teach you the first principles, precepts. We have to start over laying out the basic Bible again because you have not grown in the Word. He says milk belongs to somebody that is unskillful in the Word. The next verse. He said strong meat, that's doctrine, belongs to them that are full of age who by reason of use have, have their senses exercised. You get off milk as a baby, but you have to get weaned off and get to the meat. Now, how do you do that? I mean, that's very nice, Bob. Good, good, good analogy. That's very good. Very good. But what's the process? How do I do it? All right, you explain you need to do it. Now, show me. How do you do it? thought you'd never ask. Back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 28. He says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Hey, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word. But you don't stop there. My job as pastor is not to build a building. I'm not into building buildings. I'm into building people. God will take care of the buildings. God will take care of wherever we got to meet. We didn't have this place. We were looking all around. God gave us right in our lap. He'll always do that when your priority is not material things, but spiritual things. I told you before. I told you before, a lot of people in this, Christians, a lot of preachers in this world, they invest their whole life in everything in this world. I've learned one thing, I've learned this. There's only two things worth investing your life in on this planet because it's the only two things that are eternal. The souls of men and the Word of God. Everything else is just fluff. Everything else means absolutely nothing to God. Those are the things that God takes care of when we take care of God's business with the Word of God, training and teaching people. Gets you off the milk. You're not going to stay there for long. Verse 10. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Now, here's how it works. Here's how it works. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says this that you and I are God's building. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own, you're bought with a price. Your body is God's building, your body is God's temple. We saw this when we studied the book of Nehemiah. We will see it again when we move into the Ezra and show you how you build your body for the Lord here in the next couple of weeks. But we know that when you get saved, First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 says you lay a foundation. That foundation is Jesus Christ. When we studied uh, our, the judgment seat of Christ, we showed you how that when you get saved, that foundation is Christ. The rest of your life, you build upon that foundation three things. Gold, silver, precious stones. Gold, deity of Christ. Silver, what is price? cause the redemption? And precious stones, people, a balance. One, two, three. Just like we looked at last week. You build upon that foundation the rest of your life, gold, silver, precious stones. You come to church. You come to Bible study. We meet one hour a week going through the Bible you read your Bible, you study your Bible, you ask questions, you come on Sunday morning, you hear messages, you buy the tapes, you 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 you, uh, you put it together and you go home and you know what you have? You have a bunch of biblical precepts and doctrines and what you do, the day you get saved, you lay that foundation. And then you build upon that foundation precepts. The precepts, the principles of the Bible, are the building blocks by which you lay the course on the walls of this temple. As you build, you move through milk. And you move into doctrine. And you learn how to understand doctrine. Then you have something else. He says precept upon precept. Then he says line upon line. You know, I'm not very good at masonry work. I tried to build a a foundation one time out of cinder blocks. And they tore it down two days later and did it right. It wasn't that I wasn't sincere. I was sincere. It wasn't that I, uh, that I didn't have all the right tools. I did. I had good quality cement. I had good cinder blocks. I had a trial. I had all the stuff that I needed. But when I started to book at that thing, I looked at that wall, and it was just going every which way. It was not straight. And let me just say to you, there is no strength in an unstraight wall. So I had a friend of mine, I said, what did I do wrong? And he said, well, you didn't keep your wall straight. And I said, how in the world do you keep your wall straight? He says, Bob, you got to put a line on it. And he went down at the end of that thing and drove a little stake in it. And he went down the other end drove a stake. And he put a real tight line on it. And that line was straight. And he laid that course of block along that straight line. And in a half a day, he had the wall twice as far as I got it. It was straight as an arrow. Years later, I looked back at that when I understood this passage, I read this passage, and I began to realize the importance of it. You know what? When you study, the day you get saved, you lay the foundation. You build upon that foundation the building blocks, the precepts. And as you build them up, what keeps your wall straight? Line. The line. You know what the line is? It's doctrine. When you build the wall and lay the block, they turn into doctrine. The doctrine is the line that keeps you from getting your wall straight. Building your body for the Lord, crooked. It keeps you straight. Don't ever forget. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. What is the number one thing that is profitable for? Doctrine doctrine why as long as you build on the foundation with the precepts and the principles and you turn them into doctrines the doctrine is the line that keeps your wall straight you will never go astray when it comes to god or the word of god the foundation is the day you got saved the basic precepts is the milk and the building blocks and the doctrine is the line that keeps you straight in your walk with god you will never get screwed up in the Word of God with bad doctrine or lack of doctrine if you understand that principle. Then verse 10. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. Here a little and there a little. Here a little and there a little. You build from here and from the. You, you, you begin to lay down the foundation. You build the, the precepts, you learn doctrines and then as you come to Thursday night Sunday morning, you read your Bible, our time in the Word of God, whatever we do, whatever time we spend in the Word of God, you're adding a little here, a little there, you get a little more here, you know what, there's things that I'm teaching you right now that you're writing down in your notes or put in your Bible that you don't fully understand, and one of these days, two years, three years, maybe five years down the line, you're going to read something in the Bible, you're going to hear somebody preach something, and it's going to be like somebody turn the lights on, you're going to say, oh thank you that's what that is. You've got to build it here a little, there a little, adding the Word of God to your faith. I'll tell you what we're going to do in time. I decided this. I didn't get a chance to talk about a New Year's Eve because of the fact that, you know, we had some great questions and we need to get going. But here's my goal. Right now we're laying down some we're laying down some basic principles. Right now we're laying down some precepts. We're trying to get all the decks covered, give you all the basic material, get you to understand what it's all about. Give you enough information and then show you, like today, how to use that information. But along the lines here, when we get to a point, here's what we're gonna do. Once we get that out of the way and we get that finalized, where you understand it, we're gonna start. We're gonna start in Genesis. You see, we need to build a resource library that will help build people. We need to have something in our hands that five years down the line or whenever somebody says, hey, I want to learn the Bible... I want to get what you taught back then. How are we going to How in the world are we going to do that? I'm going to tell you how we're going to do it. We're going to start with Genesis and we're going to take 1 hour every Sunday morning and I'm going to take in 1 hour and give you everything about that book that you need to know that when you sit down and read Genesis, you have it already what you're looking for, what it's about, the key verses, how Christ is typified, give you everything that you need that when you study it, it just isn't meaningless words and phrases. It has some it has some di- Diagram to it that you can understand what you read. We're going to go through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right down through the Bible. When we're done, we're going to put them in folders, look like the Bible, and they're going to be th- set for the Old Testament and set for the New Testament, sixty-six in all. And you'll have the Bible at your fingertips, where you can sit down and get the basic concepts. That when you, I want to tell you something. For test, go home and read Romans this afternoon or sometime this week. Now some of you already are because we're studying it together, but the bottom line is this. When you read Romans, if you've never read it before, and you've not been around as long as some of you have been around, you're going to come away scratching your head saying, what did I just read? How much better would it be to have a format that shows you exactly what he's trying to get across in Romans, who he's writing it to, every breakdown of the chapter that you know what you're dealing with, and then when you're finished with it, you just say, okay, chapter 1, I'm looking at the Gentiles in a mess. Chapter 2, Jews in the same mess. Chapter 3, why following your conscience won't answer the mess. Chapter 4, why the law in the Old Testament won't solve the mess. Chapter 5, why the death of Christ is the answer to the mess. And down you go. we, We have to have a format by which we break the Bible down into basic principles that you can learn in time doctrine. Because without doctrine, you ain't going anywhere. You ain't going anywhere. You'll be on a platform someplace sometime and somebody will lean over to you and say, oh, by the way, brother, we've changed this format. You're doing Psalms. We have the paramedics out there. This man just had a heart attack. The day you get saved, you lay the foundation. The basic precepts and principles are the basic milk of the Bible. The building blocks. As you build them, you put them together like the ABCs. It makes doctrines. The doctrine is the line that keeps your wall straight. And as you grow up and as you get older in the Lord, you build that wall and that temple straight for God, strong for God, by adding to your faith. Adding a little the rest of your life. Here a little, there a little. Now look at verse 12 and look at verse 13. Now, this is how Israel dealt with it. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause. Notice I didn't talk about verse 11, stammering lips. That's tongues. That's tongues. That ain't for us. And somebody said, well, tongues is in the Bible in the Old Testament. Look at verse 14. This people, this people, this people, this people, which is in Jerusalem. The nation of Israel. They're told to look for a sign. Tongues is a sign doesn't apply to you, but the principles of how to learn the Word of God does. To whom He said, this is rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, that's the Word of God, that's the precepts, that's the doctrine. It'll cause you to rest once you learn the Bible. It'll refresh you like nothing else will, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. The word of God will either cure you or kill you. Your choice. It will be the greatest book in your life or the worst thing you ever got into. The worst thing you can do is get saved and then not grow. And this is why the average Christian is in the mess that they get in. This is why the average church, they reject the Word of God. They reject doctrine. They will not grow past the milk stage. They will not step out past the milk stage and ever learn the doctrine of the Bible. They still think an apostle, and epistle is a husband and wife. They think Noah's wife was Joan of Arc. They have no idea. How to put the Bible together and lay the Word of God out. And because of that, because they have rejected growth. Because I'm going to tell you right now. It says, study to show thyself approved. A workman it's going to take some time. You're going to have to do some things in the Bible. Take some time away from other things. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to labor to get it. It's not just going to fall into your mouth. But I'm telling you, it's well worth the time spent with God learning that book. I'm telling you, your goal ought to be that by the time you're 50 or whatever the case may be, you ought to have all 31,171 verses, cross-references laid out, knocked down and understood. And if you don't, I'll tell you right now, all you know is a lot of things about the Bible. To throw you in Genesis chapter 6, you wouldn't know where you're at with a laser beam and a flashlight. Put you over in Psalm 104 about the ships in the deep with Leviathan, you'd be lost as a frog in a hailstorm. Throw you in the book of Proverbs someplace, throw you over there in the book of Nehemiah, or the book of Ezra, or Isaiah, or Jeremiah, and have you try to explain where you're at, what you're doing with, you'd be lost. Alright? Book was given to keep them straight, but they rejected it. Look what happens when you take that posture. A nice word today, posture. First thing is fall backwards. We call it backsliding. Second thing, broken. Lose their will. Their will's gone. Next thing, snared. Sin overcomes them again. Taken. Gone. You don't see them at church anymore. Now that's why so many churches run so many people through the doors. I'm not just talking about people visiting. I'm talking about people who supposedly come and get saved and then never see them again. They come for a week, two weeks, and they're gone. I've seen it all my life. All my life. I've heard preachers get up and brag about how many people they got saved last week, and the bottom line is they're not in church today. We have different definitions of what really getting saved means. I mean, you can get anybody to make a profession today, but getting them into the Word of God to disciple them, getting them into the church, that's another thing. No, 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 I'm telling you. The the problem is today that people come and they leave and they don't stay. They don't get grounded simply because pastors, me, God's people, don't take the time to ever get them past the milk stage. We're too busy doing all the other things of the ministry when the bottom line is the ministry is nothing more than people. And that book and me ministering the Word of God to you, however we have to do it, getting you to the point where you take the milk and that milk, as you understand the foundation and you build upon that foundation the building blocks of that temple and then you turn it into doctrine. The doctrine keeps you straight and you learn more about the Bible and you go all the way through it. That's why this Bible says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly Furnished. Not finished. All you hear all the time, Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly. It's throughly. It's not finished. It's furnished. You're building your temple from the inside out thoroughly and you're furnishing it with a candlestick. Go back and look at the tabernacle. Candlestick. Showbread. All of those things in that inner court where the priest did his work are the things that you should have in your life to furnish this temple that the high priest is comfortable ministering? Instead, we fall backward, we're broken, snared into our sin. They come in, guy gets out of drugs, or guy gets out of cigarettes, or guy gets out of this, he comes to church. The pastor slapped him on the back. Everybody's hooting and hollering. They get all excited. Nobody says, let me sit down with you and help you understand. Nobody says, let me disciple you. Nobody says, are you struggling with anything? Nobody says, let me teach you some basic But It's just, come on Sunday, hear my message, and you'll be fine. No, you won't. It takes more than that. It takes taking somebody and loving that book and loving them and putting the Word of God into their heart as a baby. I mean, how many of you ever had a baby, put him in a high chair, put the food in front of him and said, eat it, kid, I'll be back later. Why aren't you eating it? I prepared it. Why well, put the milk in, the water in, stirred it up, put it in the oven? Why don't you eat that? You know why he doesn't know how to eat it? He don't know how to eat it. You know what you got to do? You got to pick it up a little bit, put it in his mouth. He'll spit half of that out. It's okay. Get a bigger spoon. Put it in. Keep putting it in. Wipe his mouth. He'll put more in. Figure out what he wants. You says this pushes it away. It's a lot. I mean, you got four things there. It's just a process of elimination. You want a drink? He takes the drink. He can't tell you what he wants. He just knows he needs something. You're the parent. You're supposed to know what he needs. Don't give him too much this. Don't give him too much that. When he gets a little bigger, he do not have to eat that stuff anymore. You have those little beanie weenies in the cans. I like them myself, man. And he takes those things, and you know what? He'll stick them in every orifice on his face, up his nose, in his ear, in his eye. But he finally he gets the right one and eats them. Then you take him out a little older. He takes him out there. And you go, to, you go to a restaurant. You don't have to bring the special food. They now have child portions. They can get a little bit of portion. What you? Me, I always got him an adult portion because I wanted to eat what he didn't eat. In fact, I'd eat the other table that they didn't eat if I could get away with it. And they got there. And what do you do then? Now he can eat meat. Oh, he, he can chew it now. He's got teeth. He's not going to choke on it. But you still got to cut it up for him. Because he's got this thing that he takes the steak and sticks the whole thing in his mouth. you got to show him. You eat little pieces. And then there comes a time. There comes a time when he gets past that point. And then he'll eat anything that won't eat him first. (laughs) He'll eat anything that walks, moves. Anything. Amen. You don't eat out anymore. You cut coupons out of the newspaper. You can't afford to feed them. They're six feet tall. Legs are hollow. And every time they eat, they think their job in life is to fill up the legs. God's people are the same way. Young Christians, they can't cut up the meat. They can't digest the protein. They can't just sit down and eat everything the way that you and I eat it. And they don't know how to. And thinking that they do is the worst mistake you can ever make as a Christian. They don't. You and I are older in the Lord. That means we ought to be smarter. Unfortunately, it always isn't the case, but we ought to be. And when we look at a young Christian, we automatically know what he needs. But we are so busy getting him into a little mold. And then we wonder why he falls backwards. Wonder why he gets broken. Wonder why his old sins come up again. When his old buddies come around, or the girlfriend calls him, or the guys at work, and then one of these days you look out there and you say, well, where's so-and-so? He's not been at the church for three or four weeks. Where's so-and-so at? He's taken. He's taken. He's taken. He's taken. I go back to my original question that I asked you when we started. Why some don't make it, and why some do make it. The answer is simple it's painfully obvious the answer is very clearly doctrine my job is to teach you doctrine my job is to show you the biblical format by which we put the Word of God together my job is to take basic biblical precepts and principles and work you through them to give you the basic knowledge of the bible and then build in time as you build them into doctrines that teach specific truths that are going to affect your life the rest of your life and then the rest of your life keep preaching the word of god so you can get a little here get a little air there, there a little there a little add a little get a little and pretty soon you keep building it on top and you learn your bible and then pretty soon you don't need me to cut your meat up for you anymore you're in Ezekiel and you're saying, "Hey, Ezekiel, second coming of Christ." Ezekiel chapter one, second coming of Christ. Ezekiel chapter 10, second coming of Christ. Wheel within a wheel, wheel within a wheel. There, wheel within a wheel. Here, second coming of Christ. And everybody else says it's U.F.O.s, but it's the second coming of Christ. Jeremiah chapter one picture the nation of Israel in Jeremiah Jeremiah's the man-child. Revelation chapter, okay. And you're running through that. Oh, there, okay. Book of Song of Solomon. Wow, look at that thing. Solomon. Oh, there's a rapture in the springtime in May. Look at that thing over there. Off through you go. You know what? You don't need anybody to cut it up for you anymore. Now, strong meat belong to them. With age, that doesn't mean you get older. Age in a spiritual sense is a lot different than, than age just growing old. I know a lot of guys that were 40 years old and knew much more about the Bible than somebody was 80 or 90. It has nothing to do with how old you are. It has to do with how much time you spend in the book. It's like somebody said one time, back in the early <coughs> last days of the Philadelphian church age, <coughs> back when they had <coughs> some of the great preachers they were out there tearing the place up ma'am and they wanted this guy they had Moody in this church every year <clears throat> and Moody was a great preacher his church is dead now but he was a great preacher and he was out there you know and they, they said well who are we gonna have this year and the guy one guy said well let's have Moody back again the deacon that hated Moody because he never wanted to get right with God and was holding out and didn't like good heart preaching he said why do we always gotta have Moody that Moody got a corner on the Holy Spirit of God the old deacon said, no, but I do think the Holy Spirit of God has got a corner on Moody. It ain't how much, it, it ain't how much you have of the Holy Spirit. It never has been. You get all that the day you get saved. You get all there is. It is not a point of how much do you have of the Holy Spirit of God. It is about how much the Holy Spirit of God has of you. That's how you learn it. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. you know what it's going to be a great year we're going to learn some things god's already just in the short time we've been here god's given us so many good people this holiday service goes by i think one in the last six months we didn't have a visitor i'll tell you what god's going to do some things if we just stand true to the word of god and keep preaching the bible I, I still believe. I mean, you can have all the fang-dangled things in the world. You can do all the things, and have all the pageants and all the things and about to bring people in today. But you know what? I still have the same mindset that Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. I still believe that's the best way to build a church. And when I get in this book, all oh, I got one thing I want to do. That's lift, two things I want to do. Lift up Jesus and edify you. Everything else will take care of itself. Everything. Everything. Let's pray. Father. We thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. We love you so much. <clears throat> we thank you for the day. We thank you for the message. We thank you for your spirit that delivered it to us. And Lord, I, I just ask you, Father, to, in this next year to take our hearts and knit them together even more than they already are. Build us, Father. Let me take these young Christians and, and mold them and make them uh, into everything you want them to be. Helping to lay on that foundation all the building blocks that will bring them to be strong and stand for you. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for all that you do for us. We pray now that you'll dismiss us, take us home with thy blessings and keep us safe. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name for his sake we ask of. Amen. God.